0: Hello, and welcome to Critical Q&A, the show where I answer your questions based on what you've left for me in the comments section of my Q&A videos, or have sent to me by email at askchrisshelton at gmail.com. It's been a little while, so I wanted to put a plug in for my Critical Merchandise site, which is linked below in the notes section to this video. Uh, Critical Merchandise is a place where I have created some... um, designs and whatnot that you can put on cups and mugs and, and uh, hats and shirts and things like that, Scientology-themed logic, reason, critical thinking sort of things, and uh, I just plug that periodically because it's a way for you to support me and also get something back in return. So with that being said, we are getting a lot of new subscribers and viewers who are watching the show here, so welcome to the show. If this is the first time you've been watching this, I do my best to answer questions about Scientology, myself, the world at large, whatever, it's not just exclusively to Scientology, and have a good time doing it and try to be a little entertaining in the process, Uh, but mostly informative. And uh, so any questions that you have about the topic, you can go through my Q&A videos. There is an extensive amount of information that has now been there for you, as well as a lot of videos on my channel. So take the time to uh, really go through it, have some fun with it. I've put, you know, I just, you look at it and you just go, wow, I just can't believe how much content I've put up over the last couple of years. And of course, you know, lots more to come, but, um, but quite a bit there. So, you know, welcome to my channel and take, uh, take advantage of the resource that you found here. So that all being said is my little intro here. Let's go ahead and get on with your questions. Pab Dear Chris, I've watched all your Q&A and I've heard you saying many times that SeaWorg members can leave the Church of Scientology whenever they want. No one is stopping them except their own beliefs. They don't want to disconnect from their loved ones inside the Scientology, pay the debt, etc. I recently saw the fifth episode of Leah Remini, Scientology and the Aftermath, and I remember how Mark Headley both had to escape from the base. They also describe how others escaped and some were caught and brought back. So how is it that you say that they can leave whenever they want if they decide to go? Other members caught them and bring them back by force. If you're a public person who is just paying for services, you're not obligated to go back into the church or do any services or pay for another service or something like that unless you want to. And no one can force you or lock you in a room. Um, but it has happened that you know very high-pressure sales tactics have been used, including locking the door and things like that, that has happened with public Scientologists, but that's about as, as extensive as that gets, which is not to downplay it. It's not okay, and it's not cool that that happens, but that's about as extensive as it gets with the public. With the staff members who work at the local churches, they exert high-pressure sales tactics, and they, of course, are Scientologists themselves, so they're, you know, uh, there's a lot of control put in on them. But if they want to leave staff, nobody's going to go, you know, wrangle them up and, and kidnap them and force them to continue working at the local church. They're, they're much like public in that way. Now, when you get to the C organization, you're dealing with this paramilitary group where people are doing nothing but Scientology all day, every day. If you leave that group without authorization or without okay, which is what they call if you Blowing if you blow if you take off if you go a wall they are going to try to Find you and they're going to try to convince you to come back either physically or on the phone or whatever However, they can reach you. They're going to do their their damnedest to Get you to come back the reason why is because if you take off like that if you blow you're not under their influence or control anymore. And they're not, they're not okay with that. And they want to do something about that so that you are gotten under control so that if you leave, it's on their terms, not your terms, so that they can continue to control you after you leave to the best that they can. Of course, you know, it, they can't control you completely. Be, like, like I didn't blow. Okay, Let's, so let me give you as, let me give me, sorry, as an example of this. I left the Sea Org on my own cognizance. I said, I want to leave. They didn't, they didn't, you know, despite whatever they might claim, they didn't kick me out. They didn't dismiss me or anything like that. I one day said, I want to leave. And, um, and I, so there's a whole process you go through in order to do an authorized leave where you're, you're, you're leaving forever. I'm not talking about just a leave of absence. I mean, you're going. That process is called routing out. Because there's a form, it's called a routing form, and you have to do all the steps on it. And when you do all those steps, you have left the Church of Scientology and you are still considered in good standing with the church. If you blow, they'll declare you a suppressive person. You're you're not in good standing with the church. And if you don't care about that, then it's no big deal. But if you do care about it, then that is a reason for you to not blow. Um, But if you just want to leave and you want to still be in good standing with the church, that's how you do it, is you route out. You do all the steps that they make you do. It took me, I think, eight or nine months to go through all those steps because of you know, delays and problems and various things. And they also, uh, when you're routing out of the Sea Org, you're a third-class citizen. You, you don't get anybody's time. You're at the bottom of everybody's list as far as who to deal with or who, you know, who it is that they consider important to, to handle. So that's why it takes so long. There are people, even at the highest levels, like where Mark and Claire Headley were, the gold base or the international base in, in San Jacinto, there are people who left that group without blowing. You don't, that's not the only way to get out of there. You don't have to blow in order to get out of there. You can route out. It takes a long time. They'll put you through all kinds of nonsense, but you can do it. And generally, when people have been routing out, especially, I think, recently from what I've um, been hearing, they are paid you know, enough money that when they sign their non-disclosure agreements, they have to abide by them. And that's why you don't necessarily hear a lot from people who have routed out of the Sea Org from the International Gold Base because there are people who are leaving there. They don't want to be there and they want to go, but they don't blow. They just route out. Okay, So there's two ways out, and one of them is authorized and one of them is not, and if you leave in a, in a non-authorized fashion, they will try to get you back. If you leave in an authorized fashion, they still feel like they have something over you because you have routed out so that you can be a Scientologist in good standing, so that you can keep doing Scientology or whatever, and so they feel like they've done more with you to get you under their, under their influence and control or keep you rather under their influence and control. That's a, that's the best short example or, or, sorry, explanation I can give you in this format for that whole thing, but I hope that makes it clear why you'll hear different kinds of stories from people who have left the church. Right? Another example, by the way, of somebody who routed out years ago from the international base uh, did not blow was uh, Jeff Hawkins, and he's Since come you know come forward, written books, have spoken out about it. He was in Louis Theroux's movie. So so there's an example of somebody who got out of the international base, but didn't have to blow to do it. Okay, there you go. Kawaihi Petal. what happens in cases when there is disconnection and child custody comes into play? As you know, legally the parent without custodian rights needs to still pay for child support. At least here in California, I know the laws on child support are very strictly enforced. Does the church discourage people from paying or accepting child support? It's a good question. Um, If you have two people who are, you know, parents who are in Scientology and one of them decides to leave Scientology and is declared a suppressive person for some reason, and the other parent is a Scientologist in good standing and they share custody with their child, the church cannot get in the way of that where they can say, no, Mr. Scientologist or Mrs. Scientologist, you... Um, can't accept child support from this suppressive person or you can't, you know, allow your child to see this suppressive person, they will, of course, do what they can to try to enforce the disconnection and try to uh, work within the legal system to get the parent who has custody to not, you know, allow visitation legally on the part of the parent who, you know, is not a Scientologist anymore, who's, you know, a suppressive person. Um, so they will try to, you know, game the system as best they can, but they know that, you know, they're treading on, you know, legal grounds that they that the church doesn't have the ability to or power to uh, have their, you know, enforce their will. Right? If the law says that Joe Sp can see his kids, then the church doesn't have the ability to say no. Well, no, you can't. Um, however, now that all being said, in terms of the legal front. They will, the church will make sure that, you know, if, if let's say we have Mary Scientologist and Joe SP, okay, and they're sharing custody, Mary will be told to not communicate or absolutely minimum amount of communication with Joe, right? Mary can't go out with Joe. Mary can't go on outings with the kid and with Joe, right, and that sort of thing unless it's absolutely necessary or legally necessary to do, right? Uh, Like if the parents had to go see, a don't know, a social worker or a judge or something like that. But contact is kept at an absolute minimum. And in some cases, a Scientologist, like a Scientologist staff member, might even want to be there with Mary when Joe's around, right? Just to make sure there's no hanky-panky and also to make sure that Joe doesn't interbulate Mary and this sort of thing, right? To add some more pressure on, on Joe, Um, But the church can't say, no, you can't see your kid. Um, But they'll try to arrange things so that there's maximal amount of separation. Steve Brown. What do you think the end game for Scientology will look like? Some critics think it will retreat to Clearwater, closing and selling off all of the empty ideal orgs. Miscavige might follow the model of Hubbard and go into hiding to avoid criminal prosecution. Or he might use the money obtained by fraud to buy protection in a country where he can't be extradited. Your thoughts? I used to conjecture about this all the time, but I actually gave up on it because I realized that there are so many possible scenarios for what's going to happen to Scientology that conjecture on it is, you know, you have to have information and hard, factual information in order to make positive predictions or conclusions about something. And the things that we need information on in order to determine what's going to happen with Scientology in the future as an organization um, rely on data we don't have. We don't know the, the the ins and outs of the corporate structure. How much control does David Miscavige have over the passwords to the bank accounts? Where are all the bank accounts? How much money is in them? Who can access them and who can't? What? How, how much power do the attorneys of Scientology have over those over that money? Were David Miscavige to be um, you know, indicted or convicted of a crime or take off and go, you know, absent, how much control would he still have over those things if he were wanted by the law? How much of a chance is there that the law is actually going to try to prosecute David Miscavige, right? These kinds of questions need hard answers before we'd really be able to know what's going to happen with the church. There are different models in history that you can look at as to what's happened with other cult groups um, that we could look at as possible scenarios, right? There have been small uh, destructive cults that have just fizzled as soon as their leader uh, died or passed on, right? Uh, That didn't happen when L. Ron Hubbard died. We have David Miscavige taking over, which is a lot like um, a man who took over uh, the... If we look to the Jehovah's Witnesses as an example, there was a guy who started the Jehovah's Witnesses you know, sort of analogous to L. Ron Hubbard. He died. Another guy took over, very much like David Miscavige, very authoritarian, very dictatorial. And he took over for a while. And then when he died, the Jehovah's Witnesses did not just dissipate and blow off into the wind. A council of Jehovah's Witnesses took over. And they've been running the show for the last many decades. So that is a plausible scenario for what could happen to Scientology. Just because David Miscavige has a bunch of senior executives of Scientology, uh, you know, stuck on the ant base, relegated there um, under his thumb, well, if he disappears, I I don't know what they're going to decide to do. They could just go, oh, finally, and get out. But I don't think so. They're actually there because they're hardcore Scientologists. So some of them are going to want to step up and keep the thing going. Are they going to—now, this is, again, where we lack information— Would any of them be in a position to step up and take power? Would the lawyers give them the power over the bank accounts, right? Because we are pretty certain that David Miscavige has no plan in place to turn over the mantle of power to somebody else. In fact, he's done away with or gotten rid of or declared suppressive every single person who was ever a challenge to his authority, right? So... Uh, you know, uh, could somebody step up and just take over? It's not just a matter of stepping up and telling all the Scientologists at an event, okay, I'm in charge now. This person's going to have to have the keys to the kingdom, right? They're going to need to have access to the bank accounts and have access to the, the money and the corporate power, right? So again, these are questions where we lack information about those exact matters, right? Uh, if there were a scenario where the government came in and the and Scientology started uh, looking at uh, you know like if the leadership of Scientology did end up going to jail and so the government moved in or the FBI or something and took over the assets, well there'd probably be a bit of a fire sale, right? Is one scenario, and then everything then everything goes and corporate Scientology is no more. That would be kind of interesting, but I I don't really see that as a realistic possibility because. Let's be blunt, right? Taking on Scientology legally has been a losing proposition almost universally, right? Because Scientology has the money and the will and the and the manpower to fight very, very hard on a legal front. And so there, there has not been successful prosecution of Scientology for criminal acts. I thought, you know, if you look at the Lisa McPherson case, that's the closest they ever came to actually having somebody... Face real jail time. I mean, uh, since Snow White, of course, since the '70s, right? The '70s were kind of, you know, Hubbard's era. I'm looking at things. I'm talking about things in Miscavige's era, right? In the time that Miscavige has run the church, that's the closest he ever came to getting in very serious legal trouble, and they bought their way out of it, and they blackmailed or extorted or whatever they did with the medical examiner, and they did a whole bunch of hanky panky and shredded evidence. I mean, Marty Rathbun has admitted as, as much uh, in, his, in his blog, and his materials, and he, was the, he should know he was the one doing the shredding, right? So they really dodged a bullet, and that, as far as I can tell from my knowledge of the history of Scientology, was, was the, the, the biggest bullet they ever had thrown their way, because Lisa McPherson dying in their custody was a pretty big deal. So now you have various civil suits and legal suits and fraud suits that have been brought against the church, and one for one they've been dismissed, thrown out, or in the case of the Rathmans' uh, recent fraud case, which or a harassment suit, which looked like it really had legs and was going to go somewhere. Then suddenly the Rathmans dropped it. Well, great, you know. So that's the the history of Scientology in the legal arena is not a, a, a history of of great successful prosecution of Scientology and I don't see any reason to think that that's going to change. So I don't think that legally, that's the, I don't think a legal route is the way that Scientology is going to be taken down. Um, it's a complicated matter, there's a lot to be said about it. Um, it's not necessarily like I'm saying this because I'm happy about it, it's just how I see things. I think the way that Scientology is going to go down is the way that it's happening in front of us right now, which is through PR, through exposure. PR meaning, like, you know, not good public relations, but exposure of the truth on public media lines so that people see it for what it really is and don't want to have anything to do with it. And that does away with future membership and future um, money, right, and on a longer-term basis and that is where I see Scientology diminishing and diminishing and diminishing until it can no longer sustain itself but that's a long way into the future so I um, that's about all I can really say in terms of how I've thought through where it's going and I hope that gives everybody some food for thought and some ideas about what you know some of the ideas I've had about it I wish I could give a more definite answer or I had a crystal ball about where it's going but I I really don't so I I and other critics um, have decided that our best way of dealing with this is to keep exposing the truth about Scientology in every possible way so that there's no question that this thing is a destructive cult and people should stay away from it. And that, that I think, gives it a short-term longevity into the future. Stephen Willis, I've been wondering recently what Scientology's stance on gambling is. I have some familiarity with the gambling industry and it seems like ripe picking grounds for their propaganda machine. Believe me that every fine detail of a casino down to the color of a button on a slot machine is designed to make players forget the outside world and encourage them to gamble for as long as possible. Large casino companies budget millions upon millions of dollars for this each year, most of it drawing on psychological methods. In the past two decades there has been a considerable rise of regional casinos in the USA, not to mention gambling revenues. However, I don't recall ever seeing the subject mentioned in Freedom Magazine or any other Scientology materials. It seems it isn't on their radar at all. Well, logics, Stephen. And um, I'm not exactly sure what's prompting this question because Scientology doesn't have anything to do with gambling and probably never will. As far as Scientology materials on gambling or what Scientology's attitude is about it, they don't care that much about it except... Hubbard did write one issue, one bulletin called The Gambler. And he said that people who get involved in excessive gambling or uh, even, I don't think he even used the word excessive, but people who get into gambling, you know, as a thing are psychotic, are are having like, are are get into a a kind of psychosis because of the addictive nature of gambling and that sort of thing and that people can't really deal with it. So he kind of discouraged gambling. And if people who get into Scientology, start talking about how they're gamblers or they make money with gambling or something like that, they'll be shown that issue in very short order and discouraged from doing a lot of gambling. Sure, Scientologists go to Vegas. It's not like there's some rules about this in the world of Scientology. It's just there is this Hubbard issue and anyone who looks like they're, you know, trying to make a living off gambling or trying to, you know, get into a lot of it, they're going to, this is going to come up and they're going to be told that. They shouldn't be doing that. Now, of course, you could look at that and go, well, of, uh, you know, Hubbard probably or uh, might have wanted to discourage that kind of activity because he wanted the money himself, right? And that wouldn't be entirely unplausible either. But, um, but anyway, all I can say is that there is an issue and it does say that. And of course, there are people who have issues with gambling and should be discouraged from, from gambling. As far as the control mechanisms and the, and the influence that, that is exerted, the little psychological things you were referring to, absolutely, this is well-documented. The thing about um, casinos and gambling is that it is well-documented what they're doing. Anybody can, can look and find that out, right? And so when you walk into a casino and you are you know, hit with all the lights and there are mirrors to make it look like it's bigger than it is and to sort of reflect back your image. I've even uh, read and been told about uh, smells, you know, certain fragrances and things being, being ejected out into the casino floor to make it pleasant and keep people there. And of course, there's a never-ending stream of drinks for anybody who's actively gambling. Like all of these things are encouragements, but they're not subtle. They're in your face, right? And you mentioned the color of the buttons and things like that. Sure, there's a lot of uh, little influencers that, that affect, you know, on a statistical basis will affect people's behavior and the gambling industry tries to take advantage of those things. But I would differentiate that from Scientology because when you walk into Scientology, you're being, here's the thing. You walk into a casino, they're after your money, they're blatantly, openly after your money. And everybody who walks in there knows that that's the game. That's what they're doing there. They're walking in there knowing that they're probably going to lose their money, statistically speaking, but they're taking a chance anyway. And so it's not a matter of undue influence as such. Um, When you walk into a church of Scientology and you say, hey, what are you guys about? What they tell you is completely not what they're actually all about. But it's a it's a it's a there's religious cloaking and there is this self-help front and that is not what Scientology is really trying to do. What it's really trying to do is take as much money and time and and you know energy from you, as it can get, and it's trying to uh, exert influence over you through the, the telling you lies, right? Half truths, untruths, exaggerations, and that is undue influence. That is you know, getting you in on false pretenses and then selling you things and then continuing to sell you things with this promise and hope of of an end result or an end goal that is a fantasy. It's a total fantasy. And they're lying to you every step of the way when they tell you that you're going to gain, you know, cause over life, total spiritual freedom, blah, 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 blah. So we're dealing with two totally different things, right? And, uh, So, you know, Scientology doesn't look to the gambling industry for, you know, clues or cues about what to do. So I'm not, you know, I think that's about as much as I can say on the subject. And if there is something I missed on your question, go ahead and let me know. Margot Robinson. With the Church of Scientology having ribbon-yanking ceremonies for ideal orgs, it's disturbing to have local dignitaries participating because it gives the Church of Scientology an air of legitimacy and political acceptance how do all of us out here get together to dissuade public officials from attending and participating in the ribbon yankings? Well, you let them know. And now it's a little hard to get a heads up on whether your local officials or something are going to uh, be the ones selected to be part of these ribbon yankings. But here's, I mean, this is a fairly specific audience of, of people or specific targeted group of people, right? In other words, If you're in a city that has a Church of Scientology, which is being renovated and which is being set up for, you know, this ideal org status, good. You're one of the people who should be more alert as to what the Church of Scientology is doing with what it calls PR area control. The Church of Scientology has people who work in it who try to gain PR area control. And that's the term they use for having positive thoughts and influences and opinions within the community about Scientology and the way they do that is they make personal contact with the mayor's office, local government officials, the police the fire department, um, you know, anti-drug groups and things like that and they tell these people that Scientology is allied with what they're trying to do and they, therefore they should think positive things about Scientology and they show them for example, the anti-drug literature that Scientology produces or the Narconon literature or the, you know, Way to Happiness or the Applied Scholastics. In other words, they use their front groups to front for them. They don't talk to, they don't talk to the mayor or the city council members or the state representative about Scientology. They talk about the front groups, right, because those front groups are there to gain public acceptance for L. Ron Hubbard and for Scientology. So that's the line they'll go in on. And it's very hard for most people to look at the Way to Happiness booklet and go, wow, look at all these 21 precepts about how you shouldn't murder, you shouldn't steal, you should treat others like you want to be treated. I mean, there's nothing to have a problem with about this book, right? So people accept it. That's what Scientology is counting on. So if you're a person who lives in one of these cities or you're somebody who wants to counter that PR area control activity then it's then what you need to do is contact those city officials or county officials or state officials and give them the truth about Scientology and about those front groups first they need to know that it is a front group for the Church of Scientology Usually finding out that all by itself cuts the line because Scientology is toxic as a brand So if people find out that things are connected with Scientology, then, you know, that will usually cut it off right there in the early stages. Now, of course, if you're going to have a, uh, you know, one of these officials speak at a Church of Scientology opening, they will have connected the dots between the front group and Scientology. So at that point, what you need to do, where where the person knows that the front group is Scientology-connected, then you need to bring them the truth about Scientology. And it usually has to be done through um, personal contact, because that's how Scientology is reaching out to these people. So Scientology presents a very good front face, very pleasant, very nice. We're the good guys. If you hear anything about us that you don't seem to, doesn't seem to make sense, or you don't like, let us know. We'll give you the truth about it, right? Like there's lots of you know, coaxing and working to get influence with these guys, right? And that's how that generally, generally goes. It's not complicated. It's just that they do the footwork necessary to get these influence uh, to influence these these officials. And so, the way to counter that is to counter influence it with the truth, uh, because you know, as I just mentioned, Scientology's selling lies. Well, if you tell the truth about it, you know, almost anybody can see through Scientology's lies very, very quickly so that's what you can do about that it's time for flash answers Elmo I understand that Scientology started appearing behind the Iron Curtain via splinter groups such as Free Zone. any comment Scientology has a bigger presence with independent Scientology in Russia than I believe it has with official Scientology in Russia why I have no idea um You know how to deal with that? I have no idea. Um, But I know that the Russian government's attempts to ban Scientology are not the way to go about it. If Russia would simply look to uh, history, they would see that that tactic was already tried in Australia, uh, and it failed miserably, and Scientology came out stronger than before with that. So uh, trying to ban it, not the way to go. Um, But as far as independent Scientology and the free zone goes, yeah, it's over there. And... uh, You know, and if that was all the Scientology that was over there, I could care less. It's official Scientology and the official church that is the authoritarian uh, money-making scam part of Scientology. Independent Scientology is whatever, you know. That's my comment on that. Mr. Marathon 1989, how accurate are the online accounts of OT3, story and the other OT levels? Well, as far as I know, they're, they're pretty spot on. Um, I wrote a whole chapter in my book, Scientology A to Zenu, to lay out why the OT levels are important to Scientologists and what they're really all about. And this is routinely missed over and over and over again. And to that degree, I think the accounts or discussions about the OT levels on the internet or in the public sphere tend to miss the boat entirely because Xenu is the tiniest, smallest part of what the OT levels are all about. And while people like to laugh and, you know, and smile and that sort of thing about Xenu, um, that ain't what Scientologists think is important about the OT levels, right? And so I really recommend, um, right, you know, checking out my book on that because I don't know anywhere else to refer you to to get the, to get, you know, my take on that. And I'm not going to sit here and give it all to you in, in a Q&A episode because it's, it's a long chapter and there's a lot to know. So that's what I can say about that. JR News. How did your appearance on Leah Remini's show boost your ratings? Also, can you tell us a little bit about the equipment slash programs you're using? Self-taught? Hey, JR. Yeah, my appearance on Leah's show was awesome, and my channel has definitely blown up since I was on that, so that was really, that was really good. And um, yeah, I'm self-taught on, uh, on everything I know in terms of video work. I'll show you a couple pictures here of my little studio apartment uh, setup here as to how I go about doing my videos. And I have uh, taught myself how to use the Adobe Suite. Uh, that is Photoshop, Illustrator, uh, InDesign, Premiere, Pro, and After Effects, which is uh, After Effects and Premiere are what I use to create my videos with. Um, and of course I have a uh, I have a couple cameras. I have a Canon uh, TI and I have a uh, Panasonic which I'm using right now and which is shown in the picture. I just showed you so I don't know That's what I that's how I've set myself up here Eight ideal are you a slow eater? <laughs> well since you ask, no, <laughs> I'm not uh, I generally eat pretty fast although over the last few years since I got out of the Sea Org, I've I've definitely learned to take my time. And so I'm uh, I'm a slower eater than I used to be when I was in the Sea Org where you had like minutes to chow down. So there you go. Okay, everybody, thanks very much for coming around. I really appreciate you guys uh, watching, listening, sharing, liking, commenting, up, down, sideways, however you, uh, whatever you want to say. And also, of course, leave me any questions Uh, that you have in the comment section of this video or send them to me by email. Thanks a lot for coming around. I'll see you next week.